and welcome back to another episode of the Formation Podcast. This is episode six, and as always, I'm George, and I today I'm joined by Harry, Sam, and Devon. And we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about on today's podcast. But first of all, we have to tell you that football is back. Come on. Yes, it is indeed <laughs> back. Um, there's been so much talk about Project Restart for a long, long time now since the lockdown. But finally, last week, we had the announcement that the Premier League, as well as the EFL that came later, the Premier League and the Championship, we believe, are returning. The Premier League will be back on Wednesday the 17th, which on the day we're recording is two weeks away. Devon. How excited are you that we finally got a date to count down the days towards? Is it Christmas Eve? It, it, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's, it's strange. It seems to have you know, stagnated over a period of weeks. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're getting giddy about it as, as if it, it feels like the opening day of the season, really. But, um, mm. you know, there's still, no matter how many positive talks we're having, there's still always that you know, that kind of devil on, on your shoulder thinking, what about if something goes wrong? If there, you know, if unfortunately, if something does happen like more seriously, then that'll be it for probably the foreseeable. But for now, I think, especially with the preview of the Bundesliga watching that, it, it is very exciting. Yeah, the uh, Bundesliga has really whetted our appetite. But I'm, I'm sure what's to come in the Premier League, just, I don't have much to say on it really, just, Really happy that it's back. Really happy that we're getting football back in this country. Like Devon said, it it stagnated for a while, more towards the beginning of the suspension. But with all these positive test results, it's looking it's looking good. So we think that the way it's going to work out, well, they've pretty much set this out. But on the seventeenth, which is a Wednesday night, they will play the two games which the four teams had a game in hand each. So I think it's Man City, Arsenal and Sheffield United against Villa, or I think that's that one is at Villa Park. Then there's nine kind of game weeks to go. Um, so there'll be games all across the week, presumably. Um, it's going to be like a World Cup, isn't it, Harry? People have already spoken about it, I know. But... Uh, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I think there's, what, four games a day on weekends, two games on weekdays. Like you said, it's, it's going to feel crazy. Home advantage, away advantage. I don't, I'm not really fussed at the moment because all I wanted, I didn't care when it came back, I just wanted to set in stone dates so I could get the countdown on and just watch the days tick past. It's, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, we should probably mention as well, there was a lot of talk kind of before this all got agreed about neutral venues um, we don't believe that many of the games are going to be played at neutral venues at all. Very small amount are set to be. Um, this was maybe something which has been debated, but a few of Liverpool's away games we, we believe might be played at neutral venues purely because of the police believe that there might be a risk that Liverpool fans might go along to celebrate because their title is imminent. Do we think that's necessary, Devon? What do you think about that? Um, in, in a way, yes, because um, obviously 
it's a momentous occasion for Liverpool. They've ne- they've not done this, and for many people that have been supporting Liverpool through the Premier League years, they've never they've only got close to this uh, sort of feeling once before, and especially in, in the nineties, they were a bit closer. But you know that we're at twenty fourteen fifteen when uh, they finished second behind City because of the Gerrard slip. Um, it, it it is going to be an overwhelming. Um, experience for him and you know we are like any other football fan if one of our clubs won the league we'd be wanting to party until you know next start of next season but they're just not in the, uh, they're not capable of doing that at the minute um, the worry is is that Liverpool is such a big brand you know like Man United as well that no matter which town or city they go to for a neutral venue there's always going to be Liverpool fans in that area statistically and um, probably by taking it out of Liverpool is lowering that risk, but I, th- I think I think there will people will congregate. I know Germ- Germany has and German people tend to be more disciplined, and that's why they follow the rules. Whereas we know uh, from the last few weeks that English people do not follow yeah. as tightly as others. You'd like to think that Liverpool fans will think rationally and realise that they will when inevitably they do win the Premier League title, which looks very likely, of course, that they will realise that they'll get to celebrate as a group of fans eventually. And they won't almost ruin it for themselves by you know, breaking the law, congregating groups outside the stadium. So hopefully they think that way and realise, you know, this will be a this will be a special moment for the club. You know, 30 years without a title will be special. And we won't forget about it just like that. You know, we'll celebrate properly when we get the chance. If we um, touch a bit more on Liverpool as well, um, they've obviously had a very impressive record at home at Anfield for so long in the Premier League. Now, I know um, their record in all competitions ended just before the lockdown with their defeat to Atletico in the Champions League, but they're still going in the league. Do you think that record will now be more at threat given everything's going to be behind closed doors? I think this will be the true test of this, you know, the home advantage theory that's been going around in the Bundesliga. Because Liverpool haven't lost at Anfield in the league for over three years now. So, you know, if they if they show if they show signs of struggling at home, then this theory will really be put to the test, definitely. It's that crowd advantage of, you know, when players walk out to uh, you'll never walk alone and the crowd are on edge. And I think it's psychological that the play, Liverpool players are ready to, to fight and battle at Anfield when as soon as they hear that, the anthem going off. And, you know, that, that, that kind of crowd and atmosphere is what prizes a lot of players to Liverpool, especially from Southampton in recent uh, <laughs> seasons. But, um, you know, with that not there... You, you could, you know, like when teams go a goal down, it's that it's them fans you have to rely on to get behind you and you know almost suck the ball into the net. Um, whereas now, it, it you you're really just relying on your own professionalism and your own mentality to get back into games and um and when when that crowd's not there, it, it's going to be so strange for them. No, no I think the only oh. go on, Harry. So I think the only advantage you have now is your own pitch dimensions and less travel time when you're at home. I think everything else is is up for grabs. Yeah, it will certainly be a very interesting one. Something new, of course, it is. But I think, like Sam said, the Bundesliga introduction has kind of given us something 
to expect. So it won't be a shock now when we see the English players and the players who we may be a bit more familiar with in these surroundings. We will, of course, in a couple of weeks' time, be giving it the big preview that it deserves. We've had, well, three months without it, so we're going to pick it up as much as we can. Um, so look out for that in it's the next not, few weeks. It's not just us that need to preview it and get you know warmed up. It's the players as well. It's the importance. It's going to be a true test to see who's actually stuck to their uh, to their routines and who's you know stayed fit. Because uh, as we saw in that first game, the big headline game in the Bundesliga, which was Dortmund versus Schalke, fitness is mightily important. And Schalke is still without a win since the resumption. Um, and you know, for many teams, especially in that top you know top six, top eight, with how tight it is, especially and down the bottom as well, whoever's paid the most attention to fitness over that period will obviously come out on top. Yeah, and hopefully uh, Klopp and Guardiola no longer moan about needing breaks because they've had yeah. a nice length. <laughs> <of them. laughs> yeah. I don't know, there's still, there's still seven games in <laughs> four games, uh, four, <laughs> three games, seven yeah. days, couple. <laughs> mental. I bet he's pulling his hair out as we speak about that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully the fitness aspect will make it more of a level playing field. Obviously, Liverpool have just completely dominated this season, so hopefully... That'll bring some extra entertainment value to see how yeah. fitness comes to play. You don't want them to relax too much. I know it's been a great ach- achievement from them, but I'm sure uh, for Liverpool fans especially to go down as one of the greatest uh, title wins in see It's certainly going to be the strangest title win in Premier League history, but they need to maintain that you know strong finish. And more, more importantly, it's probably about preparing for next season as well. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. Um, a bit of news in the Premier League this week, which we should probably touch on, surrounds Southampton manager Ralph Harsenhutl. He has signed a four-year deal um, at St Mary's. Harry, I've seen you, you've just shown how excited you are by this news. <laughs> um, yeah, explain. Why are you so excited about this new deal? I th- it's just it's someone showing commitment to a club and I think I hacked into one of your two computers and f- put this in the notes so it's to force us to talk about it but yeah it's showing commitment to a club it's obviously since that 9-0 loss I think he, he signed that deal because the board had faith for him and didn't sack him off and you know the board must have made promises to him to, for him to sign such a long-term deal whether that's transfers expectations so it's you don't normally see a manager sign such a long-term club, especially with a team of our size, you know, a team that's battled relegation for the last three, four years. So it's, it's, it's really exciting news. Harry, I remember sitting with you in, I think it was November time, uh, hmm. and you just lost to West Ham. And, you know, I could tell how, you know, demoralised you were over that result um, because mm. obviously at the point at the time it was a uh, relegation six-pointer mm. what what has happened f- uh, from Ralph's perspective to turn things around as he has and, and I mean they're still not out of it completely mm. but how how has it turned around to make sure that you're in a position where you you know you've got a bit more breathing room I think when he was sort of not on the edge of being Sacks, but like when it was getting more difficult after the night before the 9 0 loss, he was playing this formation that you know the players it's not the players weren't a big fan of, but it wasn't his formation. I thought he went, Do you know what? Let's just play my formation. If if I lose doing it, then like, I go, I get sacks doing the formation that I want. If I win doing it, it's phenomenal. 
And I think we just kept playing his formation. And through that West Ham period, I still think we we were playing that newer formation, but just getting used to the tactic. I think it's quite a difficult one to learn. So that's why between, I think, December and January, we we went on a phenomenal run that sort of not got us out of relegation because we're still relatively close, but pushed us out of that area with, with big wins. And I think the main thing is that people enjoy playing for Ralph new So under Pellegrino, under Puel, the players just got bored. And I know that's that's bad as a professional to get bored of a playing style. But if you had Koeman and Pochettino before, high-tempo high attacking football, and then you get passing, drab play, that you know you don't really score many goals. I think that was a big reason that he's got players falling in love for playing for the club again. And I think that's a big reason why he signed such a long-term deal. And they gave him such a long-term deal. I know you... Uh, go on, Josh. I know you won't want to dwell on this too much Harry we've maybe mentioned it a few times but one of the results in that eight game run without a win was the 9-0 defeat to Leicester um, yeah. and it must have been difficult to think at that time that you'd be sat in this position now when you're celebrating him sticking around I, I know you were one of the oh, people to, to back him at the time but it was still an area of doubt wasn't it yeah I remember sitting on the po- well my personal Southampton podcast afterwards, eating a 2,000 calorie cake that I just bought in the pouring rain, thinking, where has this all gone wrong? Let's bring in Sam Allardyce. And I think it's, it's a massive, re- the massive reason is that he went from like a five back with one up front to that 4-2-2-2 two, 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 that he's tried and tested at Leipzig when when they came second. I think that, that's quite a big reason. Did, did I ever med- imagine we come to this point? Probably not, just because I didn't think he'd sign such a long-term deal but I think it's because he's because he's enjoying himself which is, is always important for a manager I think that's that's a big a big reason and we did that sort of full turnaround when we beat Leicester as well so it's really shown how far we've come under his leadership from the 9-0 and then at the King Power we were able to win 2-1. It's all about now that he's signed this new deal it's all about what's next to Arsenal and Southampton. Uh, you mentioned that you've been in a relegation battle in the Premier League for the last couple of years what do you think Arsenal and the team need to do to take that next step to become to really solidify their place in the Premier League? I think we need to not dwell on the play, not be comfortable on the play, players that we have in terms of. I think the biggest we've spent is 22 million, and most most of our big money signings have been not failures, but they've been a bit disappointing. You see Guido Carrillo, you see Elia Nussi, you see Mario Lamina, you see Yannick Vestergaard. You know, that these are big deals that just haven't come off. I think a big reason why, or a big chance why we can improve in the future is we've brought back someone called Matt Crocker, who was part of the, you know, the glory days. Now he's become our director of football, so he's sort of massively in charge of all things football in terms of you know, leading transfers, selling players, facilities, that sort of thing. So my thing is, you know, we've got a good crop of young players, so keep faith in the core players like James Wilfrass. Hoiberg's going to leave, so I'm not too fussed, but Stevens, Bednarek, uh, Danny Ings, Nathan Redmond, and the, the more disposable players, maybe like Ryan Birch because he's 30. He's a good player, but he's 30, so he's getting on the wrong side of you know, that sort of age. You know, take a risk and buy, buy a player for that £15 million mark. Make it more fresh. Make it his players as well, because we're still going through that sort of revolutionary period and first become a stable team, so not basting relegation, and then you'll be able to push on. Harry, uh, as you said, become a stable team. You are seven points off of uh, the, uh, the relegation zone now, but you are, more positively, 11 points off of the European spots. 
Um, what I'd like to put to you is how long do you think this kind of journey and build will take for Southampton to maybe get back to the European nights that, you know, Coleman brought and Pochettino brought? I think it, it, it all depends on how much, you know, ambition is shown. If we, if we don't have a massive spend in the next transfer window, I think we've got a good chance of coming top 10 next season and then we might push on. If not, I think, I think it is going to be sort of that three-year plan that most teams go on because the amount of fantastic teams that are getting built now, because when we came fifth or sixth, two top six teams slipped up and I think everyone else in the Premier League was just not phenomenal. Now you've got Sheffield United, sad, sadly for you, Devon, that might, that might go on and improve, might not. You've got Wolves, you've got Everton that are better than they were before. You've also got Newcastle if they have that massive takeover. That's four teams, not including the top six. That's already, already 10 teams taken up. So that's about, and Leicester as well. So it's all about taking over that sort of area, which is more difficult, sorry, it's more difficult said than done, but it's, it's certainly a possibility, especially if you can keep it consistent, because not a lot of teams in that top 10 have been able to keep it consistent. Yep, certainly an exciting time for your club, Harry. Um, hopefully all that excitement will have died down a little bit by the time you come <laughs> to the first game. <laughs> Is it Carrow Road in a couple of weeks? But um, we should probably move on. We mentioned the EFL in the intro. Um, I think it was early this week that the EFL announced that the Championship are aiming for June the 20th as a restart date as well. Um, which is obviously great. We'll have a bit more variation rather than just the Premier League. The Championship is believed by many to be one of the most entertaining leagues in the world. Um, Sam, do you think Leeds are going to finally be able to see their promotion through? Oh, it's so tough to call in it with Leeds. I mean, they before the suspension, of course, they finished very well. But as we saw last season and with every team that Bielsa has managed, they, they burn out towards the end of the season. Obviously, these are very, very different circumstances with what's going on with the whole break that we've had. So maybe, maybe this is the year for Leeds to get back to the big time. I think it, it kind of, the break might, as soon as they had that little bit of a stutter towards the first part of 2020 and the latter end of last year um, and also it's believed that you know Bielsa has put them through vigorous exercise and um, training routines to make sure they do maintain that level of fitness and I think this this lead side is much different it's more it's it's more disciplined as we've already mentioned about uh, than um, you know the side that Gary Monk had or uh, Thomas Christiansen and and I think I think this this is different, and I think Leeds have built momentum that if they do bottle it, I think <sighs> can you imagine the fallout of that? There, because yeah. even they've got quite a nice, healthy uh, advantage over third place. They they are they're still kind of looking over the shoulders, and it's the same with West Brom. We've we've not mentioned them yet, and you know coming into it, they were in a little bit of a a sticky patch. They kept dropping ne uh, needless points. Um, and th there is teams that are um, there to take a, you know, take that spot. But from fourth downwards, it's it's much uh, much more interesting in terms of the playoff situation. No team can seem to put a run together. I think the only team that would manage to get back to back wins or at least two in the last five was Millwall. Um, 
And there's a lot of teams that, you know, if they did make that step up into the Premier League, I think the gap would be too big for them to survive next season unless there was, you know, a lot more spending um, and improvement on teams. Um, We should mention as well, there was an announcement earlier this week of 17 positive tests in the most recent EFL testing, whereas the Premier League had zero positive tests. Um, Do you think this should be something that they're able to overcome, hopefully, and then eventually be ready to go? Yeah, like I said last week, I think if there's it's still a very small portion of the tests that have been carried out. So as long as there's not a sign of a, a huge spread within one team, one or two teams, then, then they should be all right, I think. Yeah, you need to, until we distinguish the, the percentage of staff or players, that's when, if, if it's more on the player side, I know it, um, the only player that's really been confirmed is uh, Jaden Stockley of Preston North End. Um, but if it's a staff, then it's probably better for, not not better because obviously it's a serious topic, but if staff get it, it allows the players to continue to train and not having to isolate for 14 days, which means that's putting two weeks, uh, a two-week like kind of stumbling block in front of them meaning that they probably won't feature for a few games anyway. I, th- I think the most important one is the next one, about a week before the Premier League's, uh, sorry, the Championship starts. I think that's when we're going to really tell, you know, how serious it is, because that's we're getting into that sort of stage where if someone does have it, they're going to miss the first game in the season. So I think this one's a good indicator, indicator, yeah, indicator, but it's all about the next one for me. With um, with that next one coming just a few days prior to close contact starting as well, that 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 importance is greater, um, mm. Harry. Oh yeah, most certainly. I think they do it before they get into the training ground, so hopefully it's it's more difficult to spread. But you know, I think players now it's getting closer and closer. They're going to be more disciplined. I know Phil Frozen had a misdemeanor yesterday or a couple of days ago, but I think now it's getting closer. No player wants to miss out. No player wants to miss out the start start of the season to ruin it for their size and make it harder for them to either stay up or go up, for example. So I think wow. now players are going to stay disciplined. One player, it's one, been gone. Uh, I would say one player that hasn't stayed disciplined or helped the club in any shape or form is uh, Lyle Taylor, um, the talismanic forward for um, Charlton Athletic. Uh, what What is your reaction to that, uh, to his story? Um, it's. I think it's very selfish on his part, purely because of the motivations behind it. It's not even. I would accept it if it was more of a Troy Deeney situation where he's got vulnerable family members at home. He doesn't want to endanger, expose them to potentially the virus. But in his case, it's more. As he said, he doesn't want to risk getting injured and, in I, I say this in air quotes, get, risk getting that life-changing move that he's talking about, which position that he's in you know 30 years old now I guess he has a point this if it's gonna if he's gonna get a big move it's gonna it's got to be now but still with the, with the position that his team are in really in there in the relegation zone really but they have such a huge chance of getting out of it with whole in free fall so yeah it's it's in my opinion it's very selfish on his part to harm his team in this way by not playing I should say as well um this morning, 
before we recorded, I was watching the football show on Sky and Charlton's manager, Lee Bowyer, was on there with um, Carragher and Neville and they were asking him about this persistently, saying, asking how he felt. And he, he was answering with composure. He, he wasn't digging into the player. But Harry, behind closed doors, do you think he's fuming with him? I, I think I would be. Most certainly. They're on 39 points. 21, 20th and 19th are all on 41. So if any of them drop points and Charlton win the next game, they'll either be level or they'll be above them. This is a phenomenal chance for them to stay up because if one team gets back-to-back losses and they get back-to-back wins, within seven days, they're outside the relegation zone and they're, they're missing their talisman. I know in, we're not sure you know, how big this life-changing move will be, but I think it's, it's silly what he says. And I know it's not great to do this, but if you just said a little white lie saying... You know, I don't want to play because my family's this or I'm concerned about this. Rather than say, I want to do it for personal reasons. You know, you're a player under contract. You signed a contract, so play for me. I think the this kind of story epitomises the recent seasons of uh, Charlton and the, the, uh, the board. Because, you know, and especially for Boyer, I feel sorry for him because uh, he's had a poor, you know, a poor top, uh, top board that have not really helped him at all. He's at the start of the season, Charlton were flying and then they had nine consecutive injuries to nine first team starters. And then it just seemed to, you know, like really snowball down. Uh, they lost Connor Gallagher. They lost a few lone players. And now they're in that situation where the first time they've actually dropped into the relegation zone since, well, all season. And now it's really looking like they're going to be the front runners. Um, mm. Even even Luton and Barnsley have got more of a case than Charlton at the minute to stay up. Well, that's the thing, though. If, if Charlton stay up, that would be a great achievement for Boya and the team because they were at the start of the season they were odds on to go down. Obviously, they had that great start, which changed a lot in the eyes of the you know the experts and the fans. But at the start of the season, the expectation was just to stay up, and they have a very good chance, like Harry says, of doing that. So by Lyle Taylor, their top scorer, not playing. It's a huge blow for them. I mean, boy, you were sort of controversial at the start of the season, weren't he? When he he, he left for, two, I think, two days and then came back as manager. It's, it's a strange thing. It is, like Lyle Taylor said, and it is probably the only correct thing that he said, that Charlton is run like a circus at the minute. They made such a good start too, didn't they, Charlton, to the, to the season? I remember they were up there near the top two they might have even been in the top two for a while um so no one really expected them to be in this position um Bill Sheffield Wednesday came in 1-3-1 yeah. <laughs> it almost that good start almost harmed them in a way because the expectations were very low going into the season and they they have this blistering start and everybody's like wow we can we could do something this season we could actually you know maybe go up push for a playoff spot and then it all started to go as most people expected at the start of the season for them. I think their style of play um, was that kind of portrayed the idea you've just mentioned, Sam. Um, I remember when I watched um, Charlton versus Derby uh, at Pride Park. Um, it was my first press box just to, to add a bit of clout there. <laughs> but, um, first but, of many. <laughs> don't know about that. <laughs> if, you're on, if, you're on, if you're on about the NPL press boxes, then yes. Um but Charlton, they played fast attacking football and the wing-backs got forward. But after about 40 minutes, then they seemed to burn out. And that's when Derby really took the strength, uh, the 
took a, ne- a stronghold of the game, and uh, and that's kind of been their season overall. And with so, their, with, sorry, I was just going to add with their with their financial situation. Bowie told Talksport that they've got fifteen players who are out of contracts at the end of the season. So if they do go down, it'll be it'll be really tough for them to bounce back. I think. Does anyone else think that this might be, you know, the catalyst in some other players coming out and saying that they won't play? I know Chef, it's worrying me a little bit. Um, Sheffield Wednesday have eight first team players out of contract. If that was situation was to happen to us, I know we're in a more privileged position because yeah. we probably won't go down. And we we are only eight points off at playoffs, but I can't see it happening. Seeing as we can't string a few wins together anyway, <laughs> but I think this might be a a catalyst for that. Um, change or do you think because of the backlash people will stay quiet I I hope that it doesn't um, persuade others to do it I think while they might have to play beyond June the 30th which is when most of the contracts run out I think hopefully they'll find a solution to the transfer window and maybe let it run a bit further um, so I think players need to stay loyal and End, end their time at their respective clubs on good terms and then they'll be remembered there. And, well, who knows? They might be remembered. They might be remembered badly if they get relegated, but someone's got to go down, haven't they? Yep. Um, yeah. So we Fortunately for you, George. <laughs> so, <laughs> we can resist that. Um, so we've mentioned about the fixtures which we have to come in about two weeks time if you need some football before then to whet your appetite there is of course the Bundesliga which continues over the coming weeks we've already had what is it four game weeks um, I think and the fifth game week is coming up this weekend Um, we saw last week Leverkusen they had a heavy defeat at home then they got back on track after beating Freiburg 1-0 last week. This weekend, they host leaders Bayern Munich. Um, What chance do we think Leverkusen have of getting a result? Uh, I I think Munich are in pole position, and even if they did slip slip up, they are seven points clear at the minute. Um, It's too much of a an ask really if they did drop points or uh, lost to Dortmund um, I think two game weeks ago then maybe this uh, may have a bit more uh, precedence but it, it just seems like it's another game really Leverkusen's chances all rest on that that one guy who's, that one guy Kai Havertz who might be out for the game obviously went off after he scored against Freiburg so if he's unable to play then they have slim chance, but he's if he can, he's one of, if not the top young player in the world right now. 35 league goals for the age of 21, which has never been done in the Bundesliga. He's got more goals than anyone since the restart. So it's all. It's, I know it's very dramatic to say this, but it's all down to whether he can play. I think as well, Bayern are just ruthless, aren't they? Eleven goals in the last three games, and obviously the the two prior, well, the two sandwiched between the one 0 win over Dortmund were five goals um, against respected Bundesliga sides. And I think again, it's it's that fact that that mentality of winning that they've had for the eight straight seasons is it's hard to knock off, really, isn't it? No, I think you're right. You, you mentioned the 
the Dortmund defeat, they will, of course, be disappointed. They'll, they'll be trying to put on a brave face and continue to try and maybe push and hope for a collapse. As we said, it's unlikely, but Dortmund this weekend face Hertha Berlin and under Bruno um, Labadia. Is it Bruno Labadia? Yeah. Yeah. Um, our research. <laughs> it is Bruno. They've built up a bit of momentum. They've won three and drawn one since the restart. Um, can they carry that through and shock Dortmund at Signal Iduna Park? Uh, they're four points out of the Europa League spot, so they've certainly got something to play for. If they were sort of stuck in a in a mid-table battle, then I could say maybe they'll take the foot off the gas. But they've got all the all the chance to get into the Europa League spots, and it's going to be more difficult now after Dortmund got such a, a phenomenal win. But we've seen we've seen teams around that top four drop silly points, so Dortmund could be the next up. I do think um, sorry, Hertha Berlin will be encouraged by. Dortmund's kind of struggles against uh, Wolfsburg and especially for the first half um, against Paderborn. They really pushed and tested uh, Dortmund's uh, patience and eventually it, it sounds silly that, you know, 53 minutes in we still didn't have a goal in that <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the positives for Dortmund um, is that Sancho is looking back up to full speed. He's scored a hat-trick against uh, Dennis Sabernis, uh, Paderborn. Um, That's harsh to pin that on the other end of the pitch. It was all his fault. Um, <laughs> he did score an offside goal. That's fine. <laughs> but um, San- uh, maybe Sancho's um, impact outweighs the loss of Erling Haaland, who's still <clears> doubt for this game with his, you know, he, he, he damaged his knee against uh, Bayern, which. Um, even though the season's probably gone, it, it might be better to rest him for the rest of the season. It, not, all, all saying that, Dortmund could pick up some bad results and drop down to fifth. It's that tight, but I think yeah. they could probably relax a little bit and let Haaland rest and, and you know, maybe take a few more weeks than he w- normally would get. Just to go back to Labadia for a second, he's really revolutionised his Hertha Berlin team. 10 points from a possible 12 from a guy who in Germany has... Before this, had a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a journeyman. Never stayed anywhere long. I think three years, the longest he stayed in one job in the Bundesliga. So, obviously, it's it's been a very short time that he's had with this team. But to put it, you know, in layman's terms, he's just got them fighting again. That's what all, most of the Hertha players have been saying after all these wins. He's just got them fighting for the shirt, fighting for each other again. And that's that's what's got them over the line in most of these games. Sam, do you think I know you've you've been you've been saying the idea of that uh, Lucien Favre might not get his contract renewed at the end of the season? Do you think Dortmund might be keeping a little bit of a close eye on uh, I don't know Labadia's um, <laughs> progress at Hertha, or do you think they will aim for bigger? I think it's too it's too early to really judge how the effect that Labadia's had on this team. He's not had too long with them, but. I'm still very confident that Lucien Favre won't be Dortmund's manager by, by the, the start of next season. Especially, and that also depends on how they finish this season. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they might have lined up, but I, I just, with how they've performed this season, it's, they've played a lot of great football, Dortmund. But if we're looking, you know, on paper, they've not, they've not pushed Bayern all the way like they did last season. Yep, so those two games are probably the highlights of this weekend's 
Bundesliga fixtures there are nine again I think there's one on the Friday evening and then on the Saturday and Sunday um, that's all on BT Sport they're not a sponsor but they have, yeah, as always um, it's a few exciting games I mean Friday night as you mentioned Freiburg and Munchen Gladbach that's another opportunity for Gladbach to impress um, Saturday is the the test where Paderborn obviously limited Dortmund for a um, substantial amount of time but you know, once Timo Werner starts firing, maybe RB Leipzig might produce another high-scoring game against Paderborn. Uh, and there's also uh, Bremen, who have seemed to have a resurgence against well, uh, a resurgence in recent weeks. They have a game in hand. Um, I think it's tonight. If they win, they go out of the relegation playoffs, and you know they they're really making a a strive towards safety at the minute. Uh, they face Wolfsburg on I think Sunday. Yep, there's definitely some interesting fixtures coming up. Um, Let's conclude this week's podcast then, as always, with a quiz. And there's a lot on the line after. I think that that round, which was playoff finals last week, was made. Um, I think Harry's lost sleep all week on this. He's clawed it Mm -hmm. back. It, It is now a three horse race. Well, there's only three of you in it, but you're all in it. In it, um, all very much in it. We've done twelve rounds. Harry and Sam on the same with twenty nine. Devon on twenty eight. We did another Twitter poll this week. <clears throat> um, there were three options. Champions League finals came out on top. Of course, Ch- Champions League final would normally be taking place about this time of the year. Um, that got 62% of the vote. Jaden Sancho was another option. That got 23. Did I say? Did I say 60? Did I say 62 for Champions League? I said 62. Yeah. Sorry, 23 sounds <laughs> similar to 62. I don't know what's happened there. It just sounded really weird in my head. Sancho 23. We can make yeah 23. That was, uh, and then. Premier League open days, 15%. That might be one that we have to do in um, a future week because obviously we've still got a bit of time before the Premier League. Not that it'll be an opening day when it does restart, but you get what I mean. George will feel like one. (laughs) To be honest. He'll feel like one, George. I know what you mean. (laughs) Um, Let's just get started. Every week. Let's go. (laughs) Let's get started because I've actually got the questions written down so then I can just read them out and uh, I've written it down in a way that sounds plausible. Um, so Champions League finals is the round and here is question number one. After Real Madrid, which team have appeared in the most European Cup and Champions League finals? Ooh. I can tell you that Madrid have been in 16 and they've won 13 of those. So Madrid are the highest. They've been in the second highest number of finals. We've got an answer. Excellent. I'll say yes and put the Ooh. Harry's mm. having to think. Um, I shall move on to question number two. Who equalised for Liverpool against Real Madrid in the 2018 final 
a game they eventually lost 3-1. That game played in Kiev, of course. You will seem a bit more confident in your answer for that one. Question number three. <clears throat> How many times has Cristiano Ronaldo won the Champions League? I'll let you have a think because it's one of those we have to consider. <laughs> the first one's still buzzing around in my mind. It's still buzzing around. Could be. Uh, I want to change it. But... If you don't know, then take a punt. I think this is a test of when did did he leave before Madrid's final one or not? Mm. Yeah. We can't do any worse than Pete did in that quiz, so let's... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, Pete. Um, question number four. <laughs> Who was the only player to miss a penalty for Chelsea in the shootout against Bayern Munich in 2012? Bayern. Yeah. <sighs> Who's the only player to miss for Chelsea? Can you remember? I know the answer to that one. Uh... It's definitely not Drogba. <laughs> I can tell you, I, I, I actually can, can remember this. It might be because I saw that like, highlights package. Educated but, guess. But... I'm going to... Mm. I don't it's, think... I, again, I, it's I, worth I, a guess because surely yeah. you can think of some of the players in that team. But... <laughs> I'll come, I'll come back to it. Okay, question number five, the final question of this week. Who was the last player to be sent off in a Champions League final? So, the last oh, I'll sure. give you a clue and tell you that it it was it's been within the last five years. Ah. That screws up my guess. Is it? No, it's this is quite difficult. Oh, oh, it's. Mm. Yeah, sorry, it's it's sorry. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think. What I can tell uh, you, is, um, uh, George. I don't like, like it, but I don't know. I, I didn't remember it. So, George, what was number four again? Just so I can write down an answer. Who was the only player to miss a penalty for oh, Chelsea just, in I'll the shootout against Munich? Again, educated guess. Oh, I really need to think. Ah, oh, damn it. Have a guess. My, my spelling in, the, in uh, these answers is more than questionable. But... <laughs> That's not great. On, okay, let's, let's run through some answers. Let's do it. For one. Um, after Real Madrid, which team have appeared in the most European Cup and Champions League finals? Um, you don't have to show your papers because I know that you have them all in a list. So just just be honest with what you've got written down. Devon, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, I've gone for Liverpool. You've gone with Liverpool. OK. Sam, what have you gone with? I'm Bayern. Sam has gone with Bayern. And Harry, what about uh- you? If you could hear that vicious scribbling, it's because I scribbled out, scribbled out Atletico Madrid for <laughs> Liverpool. You changed it to Liverpool. 
Um, I can actually tell you that none of you are right on this one. Ooh. The answer is AC Milan. Oh, that was that was that was the third choice option. That was the third choice. It was final Milan for me. They've yeah, been in 11, 11 finals, most recently in 2007. That's the thing, because like, I thought they hadn't been in one in 13 years. I thought maybe other teams have caught up. I said, I, In my head, I said AC Milan. And then when you turned around and said the Real Madrid start winning 13 of them, I went, Liverpool's won six. Let's, let's put them. Damn it! <laughs> OK, question number two. Now, I think you'll probably all get this one. Who equalised for Liverpool? against Real Madrid in the 2018 final game. They eventually lost 3-1. Harry, I'll start with you. Uh, I believe it's Southampton, Sadio Mane. Harry's gone with Sadio Mane. Sam? Yeah, Sadio Mane. And Devon? I've gone with uh, Sadio Mane. <laughs> yep, you're oh. the best player in the world. You're all bang on. It is Sadio Mane. Um, question number three. Are you serious? How many times has Cristiano Ronaldo won the Champions League? Now, you all had a think about this one. I don't think you were too sure. I'm going to start with Sam for his answer. What are you going for, Sam? Sam has said five. Okay. Harry, how many? Yeah, I I was trying to think of the photo that he took on his last one. I think he had five fingers up. So I put five. five. Seven. Oh, I'm just gonna. <laughs> it's not foot five. I'm guessing. It's not, not necess- it's not necessarily right. It's just right. Uh, no. <laughs> what are you saying, Devon? I'm not 100. percent Don't worry. Three. Devon said three. Um, Sam, not 100. percent You should have been. It is five. Come on. There uh, we go. Once there Harry got it right did. as well. So yeah, Harry did. You're right. Um, Perfect. Once with Man United. I make no ground. An eight. And then four times with Real Madrid, 2014, 2016, 2017. And he was there for 2018, Devon. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was too off anyway, so. <laughs> so question number four, who was the only player to miss a penalty for Chelsea in the shootout against Bayern Munich in 2012? Devon, what do you think for this one? I've gone really, like, well, right wing, technically, but I'm going to say left field. I've gone uh, Jose Basingua. <laughs> Jose Basingua, okay. Pretty Sam sure he played. Said. I said Juan Mata. Sam has gone with Juan Mata. And Harry? Uh, I put Raul Morelos. I don't, know if know, I don't know if he was there at the time, but I put Raul Morelos. Okay, he was, he was there. But one of you was right. Could it be? Sam, Sam, Sam. Yes! Sam Come on! The yes! first, he was the first to take one for Chelsea and then the next four were all scored. The last one famously by Drogba. Um, did so, Basinga take one? Huh? Did Basinga take one? I don't think he did, no. I think it was, I think it was Lampard, Cole, Lampard, David Cole. Luiz and Drogba. I don't know if I envisage him just taking one at Moscow then instead. But... Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. Um... Any excuse to bring up Jose Basingua? <laughs> <laughs> Question number five. Who was the last player to be sent off in a Champions League final? Harry, I'll go to you first. I put Juan Cuadrado. You went with Cuadrado. Oh. Sam? 
purely based on his reputation, I went Sergio Ramos, but I, I don't know. Sergio Ramos, Devon. Okay, another another one where I get shown up. Uh, I've gone for Huming Son. Jung Min Son. Um, again, one of you is correct with this one. I'm just going to tally up these because I know what you've ended up on now. You don't. I don't wait, 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 George. In suspense, you can read out the order instead. Oh, um, the answer to the <laughs> question was Juan Cuadrado. Oh. In Come Cardiff on. on this day Come in 2017. I was out. I was out right top for about 20 seconds. All right, All right George. Let's let's just <laughs> stop the suspense building up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you need the answer first. Um, yeah, so Quadrado for Juventus against Real Madrid. I think it was towards the end of that game. Second. Did he get subbed on and then just got sent off again? I think. Yeah, I, think I might be complete. Right. I might be completely wrong, but I think second bookable, as Ben Derbo would say. Um, so now, that's the end of this week's quiz. Um, Devon, you're still in third. You only got one out of five today, so you're on twenty-nine. I'm considering. <laughs> Harry and Sam, you both got the same three, so you're still on it, Harry. at the top <laughs> 32. And we'll be back again next week with another round. Who knows what round it'll be? As always, um, if if you're watching, if you've got to this point, you maybe haven't done, but if you are still here, thank you. And uh, if you've got any good ideas for quizzes that you'd like to hear, then let us no um is that all we've got for this week guys anything else we want to add uh no apart from that we're uh we should be previewing the premier league in a week's time or so we it's, will be it's it's exciting isn't it? it's getting whew. if you want a big match preview of norwich versus southampton hit the like <laughs> below <laughs> you want a special edition for norwich versus southampton is that oh. uh, like the gloves are on Thing off, Harry. Now, now you've set them the challenge. They're going to be loving it. Um, yeah. So that is all we've got time for this week. As always, on our socials, follow us, like our tweets, retweet our tweets when we send this stuff out. We really appreciate it. You can Please. find us at the underscore formation or just the formation on Facebook. Um, thank you for watching or listening. And we will be back again next week with episode seven. So we will see you then. Thanks a lot.